The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. And today we're going through our favorite master's memories. They can be personal. They can be professional. They can be whatever we want because they're our memories. So to join me, let's bring in the team. Mark Immelman, uh, you've got a lot of great master's memories. How did you even narrow it down to two for today? I'm not sure I've narrowed it down to two just yet. So wait and see. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's such a special event and it's so nice to relive it. And and and, and when the subject came up, I, I thought about this long and hard. And I mean, Look, it's been an event that's that's been a blessing in so many people's lives, and I've been fortunate to have been to a number of these. It's going to be a lot of fun. And also uh, joining us is Greg Ducharme. Greg, how's it going, man? Good to see you. Nice mustache. Uh, yeah, oh, thank, <laughs> thank, thank you. I've been working no, on this for not quite a while. Nice mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I would wait to see if anybody noticed. To, to the podcast, folks, listen, you can't see this, but this mustache is dreadful. I mean, this thing, <laughs> it doesn't look like he's washed here for the last two weeks. And this is his attempt at, at some, some lip hair. Yeah, it's just a little, uh, you know, we're having a little fun. And this is a good week to do it. I'll, you know, Rick, I'll tell you on a, a more serious note, if you can take me seriously looking at me. Um, the... The best part about this week for me is I realize how much I forget and, and coming up with two memories, coming up with just two memories is a real challenge because you go back and watch uh, last year's 2019 Masters. You watch uh, yesterday uh, or on Wednesday, I was watching the 1986 rerun and that was so cool to get to see that coverage and all, and all of that. So uh, each year, it seems like or each time you watch a, a different tournament, there's a new memory that comes about that you've kind of forgotten about. So uh, th this will be fun today, but definitely a challenge to narrow it down to two. It, you mentioned how many moments there are, because I was thinking why that was. And obviously we get so many great masters, we get so many great tournaments, but when you think about it, it being the only major that doesn't change courses, right? We're also familiar with this course. We know 16, we know Amen Corner, we know these holes, and the, the lore seems to grow exponentially because we are playing it every year. It's it's really unbelievable. I, so, I think it's a huge factor, right? <clears throat> so uh, let's you, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's jump into this because I know Mark's got a really good one from 2008. We'll start. We'll start with these, Mark. You can we, this might be a, we might turn Mark's two into 12, but you actually <laughs> caddy the par three tournament in 2008. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, that is correct. And incidentally, 2008 is the year that my brother won. And, and look, that's a spectacular memory. It's one of those that. You know, you can't really comprehend very much. But um, I got to Augusta that year on Sunday. Um, 
and Trevor had been struggling with his putting a little bit. And so on Monday morning, we connected on the putting green and we worked in his, his putting some and it got better through the day and he was striking the ball well and, and practice days went good and all the rest of it. And, and we had planned for me to, uh, to, to pick up uh, the uh, caddying in the par three contest. So I was out on the gorse watching him play his final nine holes in practice. He played with Aaron Badley, uh, the second nine, and he shot five under. And things were all going swimmingly right then. And so I uh, I quickly rushed from there to the caddy enclosure to get um, you know my, my overalls on. And I've got that over the top of golf shoes and my golf clothes. And I felt like I was looking like a bit of a moron because I was that guy with the saddle shoes and then the white caddy overalls. And I grabbed the bag and I'm on my way to... Uh, the uh, par three course and and then Gary Player is there and 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 just it, it's so much fun and so I'm working around the par three course there for Trevor and every shot they hit folks are cheering and shouting good luck and and it was a whole bunch of fun um but during this par three contest he came in here and the putting was going really well and then all of a sudden there on about the fifth hole I think it was if memory serves he three putts and then the next three holes, all of a sudden, the confidence he had built up in the putting started to go a little sour. And so I'm sort of grinding hard now, me personally, on what should be a very fun day. And you get to the ninth hole there. And and uh, so Trevor says to me, he goes, you want to hit the tee shot? And I was like, heck no. no. There's no chance I'm hitting this tee shot right now, which, which to that, I mean, the hole in one that GT Nicholas made, first shot of the day in overalls, that's... Uh, that's incomprehensible. So anyway, so I'm like, no, you got this. And I say to him, Trevor, let's put a charge into this. Let's let's make a roar. And so he hits the shot above the hole, spins down the hill, almost hits the edge of the hole and releases to about six feet, maybe eight feet right underneath the cup. We're walking around there and and he's a bit concerned about the putting. And he goes, well, why didn't you hit the putt then? And I said to him, I'm like, no, Trevor, I know I will make that putt. I want to see you do this under the pressure on the final green there. And he sort of gives me the crooked eye and the head. And so I'm like, no, you hit it. I'm waiting. Yes. Yeah. So I grabbed the flag stick. He knocks it right into the heart. Crowds go sort of bananas over there. We take a drive up the hill and straight to the putting green. Mm-hmm. Um, and we spend about an hour and a half there. And his rule that week was to be off the golf course at 4 p.m. So at about 3.50 that's 10 to 4. He's still grinding. And so we get to a place where I said to him, okay, one more. And so he hits this putt from about 50 feet. It rolls right to the edge of the green into the fringe. And the patrons are standing three feet from there. I mean, when Trevor had to stand behind the putt to look at, because he had to two putt before we leave, he had to lean against the patrons. And so they lean back like this and he knocks the thing in. And I'll never forget saying to him, I'm like, Trevor, you are ready. And he looked at me and he goes, well, and I said to him, the beauty about this place is you've just seen that even though you had good shots or bad shots, you're still going to have to make four and five foot putts all week long if you want to win. Lo and behold, then the following morning, 68 bogey free. First birdie of the tournament is a curling downhill from about 12 feet on three. And I kind of had the feeling then, okay, things are working out and obviously worked out great. But that par three contest, so much fun and, and, and getting to tell him off and saying, no, you make this putt because I can on the final green. That was sort of some yeah. big brother, little brother stuff there. If, if, if you were putting, Mark, we were just wasting daylight. It was, it was guaranteed. <laughs> in. Let me ask you about that four o'clock rule, though. Is, is that something that you see that, that Trevor did a lot or you see other pros do? And is that an effort to not get 
to not get burnt out out there and, and, and putt all night? What's the what's the purpose of that? Well, certain folks don't have to worry about it too much because when they get to the golf course, they don't work very hard. Um, but Trevor has always been a hard worker, almost to a fault, and he will almost overwork himself. Things will go well, and then you'll keep grinding, and then things because of fatigue or lack of focus will sort of tick off. And it was his rule for the week. He made that up, and I was completely on board with it. So at 4 o'clock, he was out of there. Uh, it nearly didn't happen on Wednesday afternoon, but we managed to make it happen. And from then on, the rest is obviously history. Love it. You don't have to break your rule on Wednesday. That's that's a good place to start. Uh, that's a pretty cool story, Greg. You're going to have to follow that up. How do you feel? <laughs> well, it's a challenging one. I would say it's impossible to follow it up. Although I can't say uh, that I did go to the 2017 Masters, which was definitely a highlight of my uh, my career as a, as a golf fan. And when I went there, you know, everybody says that it's it's so much more hilly than you notice on TV. And it's true. And I learned that kind of the hard way. Uh, I was coming up from Florida with a buddy of mine. We were both in our separate cars because we were going to continue up north here to New York on on the way up. And we we were going for a Sunday. And my car had it was basically breaking down on me. And if I went over about 72 miles an hour, uh, the car would shake ferociously to the point where I thought it was going to fall apart. And when you got into the Augusta area and you start going up and down these hills. I mean, I, I started sweating. I thought I wasn't going to make it. So we end up, we make it, we get there, we tour the golf course, all that's great. And we could go on for days about that. But, um, the, one of my favorite memories is when we, we end up getting a, a seat on the 15th hole and we're watching and we're making our, our little bets on who's going to make Eagle, who's not all that stuff. And, and Matt Kuchar comes up, he's on in the fairway and he hits this shot to the right of the green, well over the water, but to the right. He misses the green to the right, and it hits a patron, and it bounces back into the into the pond. And he's, you could tell, I mean, we were all the way across the fairway on the other side, but you could tell he wasn't happy. Uh, and and he, he was just kind of had his head down. He was shaking. It was a terrible break. It, w- it was a really bad break. He probably would have been able to make four uh, from from the right side of the green there it'll it would have been a really quick pitch shot but he, he could have given himself a really nice birdie look well on the on the very next hole uh, he's on 16 we're in the grandstand to the left of 15 green so we can see both holes and all of a sudden you start hearing the crowd on 16 the the volume just goes up a little bit it just goes up a level and everybody's kind of waiting in in angst and we look over to the right and you see this ball curling around headed down towards the hole, it disappears and the crowd erupts and i mean this was for for matt kuchar i can't imagine what what it must have been like for jack in 86 or for tiger last year but the this roar was so loud it was so cool to be a part of it was so cool to see Uh, it's another one of those things aside from the hills the roars of the crowd that you you just don't get that justice on tv was that your first Masters, Greg, 2017? Yeah, it was. I love it. I love it. Have you been back since? No, not yet, mm-hmm. um, but I will. I will. Hopefully with my own bag. Um, so we'll see. I love it. Maybe Kyle I, can help me out with that. Yeah. So speaking of which, uh, we are being graced with the presence, fashionably late. <laughs> I wouldn't say fashionably looking at him, but he's late. <laughs> okay. Hi, Kyle. How's yeah. it going, man? Hi, Kyle. I'm I'm good. I just you know I'm I got a lot going on. I got people I'm talking to. 
You're a busy Who man. Who are you talking to, Kyle? Who are you talking to, Kyle? Who well, is more than us? I, uh, I don't know how much I'm supposed to say about about all this, but uh, I, I had a conversation with, with Mr. Nance, with Jim Nance. Former tower oh. announcer at the 16th hole, right? <laughs> hey, he was he, – uh, this is always crazy to me. He was, what, 25 on his first 24. Masters call? 24? 24. Yeah. That was like 11 years ago for me. I can barely like <laughs> – I can barely like string two sentences together, and he at now at the age of thirty five, and he was calling the Masters eleven years prior to that. So and then and we, then he then he comes out with the uh, the bear has come out of hibernation. What yeah, a call that was! It's so good. Uh, so yeah, we had, we had a good conversation. There'll be something up uh, on the site later today. Well, there you go, a little teaser. All right, well, Kyle, we'll we'll put you on the spot here. Uh, Mark told us about him catching the par three contest for Trevor in two thousand eight. Greg just walked us through his experience watching Kuchar's ace on 16. Now you are seeing Augusta National from a different perspective because in 2017, you actually got the chance to play the course. You're, you're going to have to tell us about that. So I think most people probably know this, but there's a lottery in the media center. I think it's on Friday afternoon. So you got to get your name in by then. And they uh, this was the first year in the new media center and they had the name scrolling on this video board or like a TV downstairs. So the, well, it, it's at a, like on a different level than where you're sitting. And I, I hadn't gone to check it yet. And one of my friends, Kevin Van Valkenburg, who writes for ESPN.com, he came up and was like, buddy, you're not playing with us on Monday. Cause you're playing here. And, wow. uh, I was like, if you are messing with me about this, we we can't be friends anymore. And he was like, I would not do that to any of my friends. Yeah. He goes, if I'm doing that, it's to somebody that I don't like. I love. So, yeah, I wouldn't even do that to an enemy. <laughs> yeah. So you so you show up on uh, on Monday. At fir- first, I was a little concerned about the Sergio Justin Rose playoff. It was getting a little dark for my liking at the end of the day there on Sunday. Cause it's not like if they finish on Monday, it's not like you're teeing off after them. You know, there's a, there's no second wave on Monday, Monday morning <laughs> for, the, for the media people. Uh, but yeah, there's 24 people that come out on Monday morning and my tea time was like 11 o'clock, 10 30. Uh, so you get to get there an hour early. Uh, you get to change in the champions locker room, which is just, it's a joke. I mean, it, it's, it's outrageous. Um, there's a couple of robes that Phil Mickelson has definitely worn at some point in his career there. <laughs> um, and then you get to hit balls on the range. I mean, it's just the the whole deal. And I tried to get in the – because they let you go in the the uh, members merchandise deal, like the, the pro shop essentially. But they have all the like member – like the Augusta National Golf Club stuff out there. Which is, that's the good stuff. That's the stuff that you want. And uh, I tried to get in there, and they're like, ah, come after your round, which, you know, I'm like, okay, sorry. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just feeling it on the range. Like, the best I've ever struck the ball. And my caddy is like, oh, this is going to, you know, it's going to be great. You'll be fine. You're playing from the member tees. It's not that, they're, they're not that long, really, from the member tees. And so I get out there and I go full Rory in 2018 off the first tee. I uh, like my back foot slips. I'm like off the property to the right, oh, and uh, 
end up making like a like a triple on the first and it just you can't the, the, so the biggest problem is that you can't ever get comfortable because every shot you're like well i'm never gonna hit this shot again and yeah it's almost it's almost like a surreal experience to to you, you almost are like outside of your body as you're watching yourself do this but the last thing was uh on 15 i hit uh, i i had just made a bunch of dumb like doubles and stuff so 15 I hit a really good drive, like up on top of the hill, and I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling myself, even though I'm like 24 over, and uh, I uh, I'm like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it here and make a three. I'm gonna make an eagle on 15, and so I handed the camera. I, I had a, a like a little um, GoPro video camera that Shane Bacon let me borrow, and I handed it to my caddy, and I was like, "Can you can you film this? My favorite shot on a course," and. Uh, he goes, oh yeah, yeah, sure. And so he st- he stands behind me. I st- I stand over the thing for like forty five <laughs> seconds, and I'm like, what what am I doing? Like I couldn't take the club back. Finally, I did, and I I hit it. I hit sod probably a foot behind the ball, and I don't know how I can. I I somehow laid up short of the fifteen pond, uh, and ended up making a par. But it was it was. Probably the worst shot I've ever hit, but I have it on video if anybody wants to see it. I was going to say, we're going to need to see that video evidence somewhere. We're going to have to get that online at some point. It <laughs> is so, so bad. I hit the, the, shot I hit on, the shot I hit on 16 was uh, about a foot from the Saturday pin, which is an impossible pin, the back right pin. And my caddy was like, wow, that's, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the whole thing is just, it's, it's stupid. It's it's the coolest experience you can ever have on a golf course, and uh, yeah, it was it was a blast. It's the only course where no one's concerned about pace of play ever. Yeah, <laughs> the membership likes to go, but if you there as a guest, you are taking as long as you can. Yeah, I imagine you want to soak that in as long as possible. That's really cool. Good, good way to put it, Kyle. You know you're never going to hit this shot again, so you might as well just yeah. uh, never get comfy. That's cool. Um, all right. Well, I've got one. Uh, mine is, uh, mine are a little bit more, um, I get to make fun of guys a little bit. So my, the first thing that when I think of the masters in just kind of recent memory, it's, it's Sergio going full tin cup at 15. And I'm glad you mentioned 15 <laughs> Kyle, because I rewatch, I swear, however many views there are of this on YouTube, I'm 35% of them. Like I have watched this <laughs> so much because if you think about it, like, okay, I hate to make, I, you know, I hate to poke fun at a guy who makes a 13 on number five and hits five balls in the water. But like, when you look at this and say, okay, Sergio Garcia, who we know went through so much strife to finally get this major championship, he's playing his first round of his title defense. He Post the worst score in the history of this great event. It was the second easiest hole on the course that year. Like all of these things make no sense. Like if you would have told me anyone else did this, it would have been more believable other than the guy that literally is defending his title in the first round. I, I just think it is astronomically like the odds of this happening are so low. And the fact that it actually happened just boggles my mind. And the year before that, that he, he made e- the critical eagle on that hole. Uh, he hit, he one, hit of the, the one of the better shots of the day. Yeah, it hit the stick. 
Yeah, he he short hops it into the stick, makes makes eagle. I was just rewatching that Rose Sergio. I don't know if you guys remember this. Sergio made like the three worst putting strokes I've ever seen anyone make on 17 and 18, and he still finds a way to get into the playoff and then drains the one that 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 matters the most. It's unbelievable stuff. It was a little bit hard to watch because you you feel you just feel like it's not going to go his way, and Justin Rose was playing so well. And, and there he is. I mean, I, I couldn't believe the tee shot Justin Rose hit. That really opened the door for him. But, man, that was something else. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we've got more moments to go through, but we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. All right, Mark, back to you. Uh, you enlightened us with the experience around caddying the par three tournament. You've got one from the next year, uh, which involves the champion's locker room. What do you got for us? Mm -hmm. yeah, well, obviously, Trevor wins in 08. And then you get to come back there in 09. And I've been working with him in the, uh, in the early part of the year and in the lead up there. So we get in there on the Sunday and... And like Carl was saying, and, and obviously with Sergio coming back as a defender, it's just a different thing. So on the Sunday afternoon, it was pretty quiet. And we just sort of went around the place. And Trevor walked 
um, sort of walk me through what he was feeling and just sort of reliving stuff, sort of being able to put the, the whole experience to bed, get back there, get the emotion out of the way so you can get to the job at hand. So that's Sunday afternoon. So the plan then for Monday morning is, okay, a quick breakfast and then uh, to work and then a practice round. So I'm thinking breakfast at the house. And so he goes, he gets up early, goes, you ready? So I'm like, sure. And we jump, we get, get in the car and we drive down Magnolia Lane, the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, we get out there and I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'll get an egg salad sandwich and I'll meet you at the range. He goes, no, no, no join me. And so I look at this and we walk into the clubhouse and, you know, up the little circular stairway, Kyle did that and route to the champion's locker room on the second floor there. And, and he walks up to the guy and the guy greets him, the, the security guy. And, and, uh, he says, welcome Mr. Immelman. And he nods his head, welcome. And he looks at me and I'm like, thanks man. And I'm ready to wait there. I thought Trevor was going to get shoes or something. And Trevor goes, no, come on inside. And the guy steps out the way and in we go. <laughs> and it's a, it, this was a, it was small before it was rebuilt a couple of years ago. And uh, so you go in there and there's these few little round tables and the television's on in the corner. And Trevor walks in there and at the first little table I see, there is Ben Crenshaw and Fuzzy Zeller just sitting there having coffee and chatting, right? <laughs> so they're like, Trevor, welcome back. Welcome in here kind of thing. First time as a champion. Well, he was in there on the Sunday. So they're like, sit down. So Trev sits down and he says to me, have a seat. So it's, hello, hello, all the rest of it, how are you doing? So the guy comes over, he goes, can I get you something? Trevor says, yeah, we're going to have breakfast. So at that, he goes and he gets the men. Well, he, there are no menus up there. You, he just gets whatever you want. <laughs> and at, at the door swings open and Tom Watson walks in, right? Okay. And they're like, hey, Tom, how are you doing? And they're like, join us. And I'm looking at this going, holy smoke. I mean, this is <laughs> Zeller, <laughs> Crenshaw, Trevor, now Tom Watson and me. And in the corner, Doug Ford was sitting there in the corner. I mean, it was just like a who's who of golf and me, okay? And so Watson pulls up a chair from the other little table, and you can sit four people comfortably, but now we are, what, five, I think? Yeah, five right. or whatever. And he slides in right next to me. And I'm like, hey, Mr. Watson, and I introduce myself, and he goes, hey, I'm Tom Watson. And I was like, yeah, really? And, uh, <laughs> I, I, and, I know. Um and the guy comes over, he goes, okay, what are you going to have for breakfast? And they look over at Trev and Trevor goes, I'll have blueberries and blah, 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 and coffee and all the rest of it. And he comes to me and I look at this, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to be having right now. And what do you order in the company of these people? And I'll never forget Watson whips his head over to me and he's got these icy blue eyes. And he looks at me and he goes, have the corned beef hash. It's really good. And I was like, Yes, sir. <laughs> That's what I had for breakfast. <laughs> I had the corned beef hash with two eggs on top of it. And uh, Tom Watson was right. It was really good. But the experience of it to this day, I mean, I, I, I still I, I can't fathom. That is hollowed ground. And yes, you when, when Tom Watson says you'll have the, the corned beef hash, <laughs> yeah. you will certainly have it. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. Uh, Greg, let's let's move to you now. Uh, 2005, this is iconic year, iconic shot. Uh, this is one we all know and love. Talk us through. So um, this is kind of early on in my uh, I, I'm just kind of at this point starting to get into the game. I'm starting to appreciate it a little bit, but I'm still hesitant. Um, I'm, I'm young at this point. And my dad would do this thing. We'd, we'd be watching, 
you know, t- sports on Sunday. And typically we'd be watching basketball or football, depending on the season. And he would switch over to golf. And he, he doesn't, my dad doesn't play golf. He doesn't like golf. He, he likes watching it, but he doesn't like playing it. He says he'd rather be waterboarded than play golf. It's a little <laughs> bit strange, but strange. he does say that. <laughs> so, cause it's so frustrating for him. But anyway, he, he really enjoys watching it and he'd flip over. And I used to say, dad, what are you doing? There's this basketball game on or this football game or this hockey game on. I, wh- what do we, and all of a sudden this guy, Tiger Woods starts making an appearance and my opinion of the game starts to change. And this one particular Sunday we're watching. And now this is where it changes. And now I don't want him to switch back. I want to keep, I want to make sure we're watching the final round of the masters in 2005 and Chris DeMarco is making, he he's coming back. They're bouncing. It's a two stroke, two stroke lead for tiger, one stroke lead for tiger, two stroke lead. It's back and forth. And I remember feeling like I kept running like a puppy dog running around in circles. Cause I didn't know what was going to happen. And I couldn't believe that it was this close. Is tiger going to win? Is he going to win? And he hit the tee shot with a one shot lead on 16 and he misses long left and the announcers are saying it's, it's no good from over there, blah, blah. You know, his, he, it's made much he's more difficult over there. He's, he's dead. dead over there. Right. Yeah. And I remember uh, and who this was escapes me right now. But he, but it was said he'd be he'd do really well to get this inside DeMarco's ball. And I'm thinking, oh, no, this is this is bad. This is bad. He's making these practice swings like he's going to hit right down on it. And he's looking up with his eyes and it's such an intense moment. And he hits the shot and it comes out and we all remember what happens. It checks up, turns down the hill. And it was just again, I, I think I ran in circles three times before that ball ended up going into the hole. It was the most amazing memory that I have watching golf in my house. I, I was stunned and i was so excited i was fired up i became a golfer at that time that's when really when i I started going out in the backyard that's when i'm swinging the golf club that's when i'm hitting golf balls into the woods breaking windows all sorts of stuff like that it was really because of that moment so it's a it's a really special one to me and uh i love rewatching it on youtube like you you cynical rick uh likes watching sergio (laughs) make 15 that's the one that i watch (laughs) Hey, uh, Greg, Greg, what, remind me what year that was that he chipped that whole ball in on 16? 2005. I know where you're going. Oh, yes. I remember 2005. (laughs) I knew, I knew I was going to get something like that. (laughs) That's so good. I mean, that moment was literally turned into like the fact that that ball hangs on the lip with the Nike logo up, turns it into an ad forever. I mean, it was just, you could not make it up. If if that would have just been a commercial, we would have said, this is too improbable. And of course it's, it's real life. It's unbelievable. Well, you see in the Masters promos, I mean, you see the Nicholas putt on 17 and you see the Tiger Woods chip shot on 16. They're just certain shots that will go down. Uh, um, I think of Sarazen's hole out on 15. It wasn't televised, but there's certain shots that are there, synonymous. Though. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> you obviously weren't there in 05 because you ranked it so low in your podcast in this previous podcast. Um, um, there's, there's just shots that are synonymous with the Masters and, and that one that Greg describes as one of them. Well, there was another iconic moment at the Masters in recent years, and I'm turning to 2016, Kyle. By the way, I will say this. Kyle 
texted us uh, his shot on 15 from from him playing Augusta <laughs> in 2017. And if you thought Jason Duffner had a case of the waggles before uh, before hitting a shot, this is like Jason Duffner <laughs> times 10 with the number of waggles he puts into this thing before yeah, moving about two feet. Looks good, man. It was a good cut, brother. I, I, I understand I, we we could break the internet if we had to release this thing. You're I, couldn't, this. I couldn't get the call. I couldn't take the club back. I don't know what the deal was. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Well, I appreciate you sending that over. Uh, Kyle, your your moment here uh, has to do with one of your one of your guys, right? You're you're it's the famous 12th hole. It's it's Jordan Spieth. Let's let's talk about it. I just watched this the other day again. Let's let's talk to it. You really are a masochist. You watch Sergio on 15. <laughs> uh, I'm a glutton for punishment, man. I just I love it. So I don't know if it was – I can't remember the way that Jacob originally phrased the question of like mo- – I guess most memorable. Was that the, I think that was the phrasing. So to me, this was not most enjoyable, but this was my first Masters to cover in person. And so I'm go- I go out with Spieth starting at nine. He makes he makes the birdie at nine. He's five up going to the back. I'm already I've got uh, his girlfriend at the time, his wife now, Annie. I got uh, I, I saw her like she was brushing her hair. She was getting ready to be on national. She knew she was going to be on national television. I, I had the whole column written, right? Like I had written it by like the 11th hole in my head. And then you get to 12. And again, at Van Valkenburg makes another appearance. I was with him following Spieth, and we're just like, you know, he's going to go back to back. Is he going to win 10 or 15 majors? I don't know how many he's going to win. And then he, and then he does, he hits both of them in the water and you're just like, it's set. You knew you, like you could feel and you knew at the time that this was a, this was a moment that was going to define not just this day or this week, but like a ton of different things for a ton of different people. And so that that really resonated in that moment. But then I think the part that people forget about is he birdies 13. Yes. He birdies, I think, 15. And then he goes to 16, and you're like, okay, he's – I think he was two or three back with three to go. And you're like, what if, the, what if that – like, what if that was the way he won? And the shot he hit on 16, you can go back and watch it. It almost hit the pin. Like I like off the club, I was kind of standing back, like kind of behind him, and off the club, you're like that, that's gonna go in. I mean, it it, it was that like just it never left the flag, and he ends up. Uh, I think he ended up. It it, it it went a little bit too far. He missed the putt coming back for birdie, so he only makes par there. Then he bogeys 17, and and it was over. But just that entire, I'll call it like. 100 minute stretch from 12 to 16 was the most vivid imagery and like um like 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 narrative layout that I've ever experienced at Augusta National and you know it was just it, it was it like it, and part of it was cuz it was my first one to cover in person so that was a big deal to me I had been to Masters before uh, as a patron with my parents with friends with my wife but I hadn't covered one in person before. So that was just, that was very, um, that, that was just a really special thing for me. And then, and I was like, Oh, speed's going to win. And my first one back to back. And then <laughs> I'm like, anybody get any, uh, Danny Willett clips? Cause I didn't see any shots today. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to have to write this article blind. Uh, Kyle, did you think that Jordan Spieth on 12, like, did that all happen very fast? Like, I, I feel like I remember him saying it all happened so quickly, right? He just went to the drop area, almost just, you know, go, go, goes to find a spot to drop it, hits another one. And like five minutes later, he's, you know, he's out of this thing. Do you remember it all happening that quickly? Yeah. The, the, the thing that sticks out to me was the second shot, uh, that went in the water because you're like, you just start looking around and you're like, is, am I like, is this reality? Am I living in reality right now? Like, did that, is that a thing that just happened? Cause the first one happens to a ton of people, right? Like we saw it last year, four out of the last six in the final two pairings on Sunday, hit it in the water and you're like, okay, well you've got this five stroke lead. I think he had bogeyed 10 or 11, maybe both of them. So it's kind of dwindling a little bit, but you're like, okay, whatever. The second one going in the water, and that I think after that is when he told Greller, it feels like we're collapsing, buddy, like the famous line. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, he, very observant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Greller's probably like, yeah, no crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, but yeah, the second one, it just felt like it, it almost felt like, wait. I didn't even know he was about to hit and then he's in the water again and you start looking around and, and me and, and Van Valkenburg were standing next to each other and we're just staring at each other. Like what, what are we watching right now? Cause we were, we were both way into like Spieth and the, and the story and the narrative and like his whole trajectory. Cause he was still only 22 at the time. And you're like, is he going to go two one, one in his first three masters in terms of finishes? And then obviously he didn't, but uh, yeah, that, that I'll never forget. There's a cut. There's, a handful of shots that I'll never forget where I was for them. Uh, Tiger on 16 last year as a, as a patron in 2011 on 16, Adam Scott almost makes an ace and you thought he was going to win at the time. Uh, but that speed one on 12 is definitely one of them. Now, gentlemen, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, where he dropped it. Uh, he didn't have to have dropped it there. He could have gone back. I, I remember the, and I think the telecast even actually mentioned this, where you don't want to put yourself into a flip wedge situation here, I think is the actual verbiage they use. And he could have actually gone back a little further and hit like a more full shot into that 12 green. Am I remembering that correctly? Well, I know Lee Trevino says, uh, and Mark may have a little more on this, but Lee Trevino said, you never go back. You never go to the drop area. You hit from the tee again if you hit it in the water on 12 with the right pin. You just hit it from the tee again because that it, it's very wet down there and it tends to be, the grass tends to grow back into you and it can definitely lead to exactly what happened. So I, I know that's what Lee Trevino said. He probably could have gone back farther as well. Uh, that's a really good call there. Um, what happened was where the angle at the ball went off the green back into Ray's Creek. Jordan took that point of entry into the creek and went backward keeping the flag stick in line along that. So he basically went into 13 fairways some. And to me, it looked like a yardage with a lofted wedge that he typically just is a wizard at. I think he was going to where he was comfortable. But this, the, the pass that he made was, I mean, it was so un-Jordan Spieth-like to me. Ordinarily, um, he, he bounces the club off the ground. He puts a lot of spin on balls like that with that weak grip. But that club dug straight into the turf. And I'm telling you what, that ball nearly landed short of the water. That's how heavy he caught the thing. I mean, it yeah. it landed a third of the way into the water. And so I, I think he was going through the right decisions. But after that went into the water, uh, the, the comment that he made to Grella, are we choking? <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I think that was, that was so appropriate because from there, if memory serves and help me out here, Greg or Kyle, I think he went closer to the water and just basically gave himself a pitch shot over the water to just get it onto the green somehow. 
I thought he dropped it from basically the same spot and then he hit it into the back bunker. I don't know if he went any closer, uh, okay. but I remember that part happening very quickly. I, that was the part where I remember he was in the water and he, I mean, when it came off his club face, he turned around at Greller. He was already reaching for another ball. He knew it was wet. And I feel like he dropped the next one and hit it almost okay. immediately. That's the part that I remember being very quick, but we can, we can look into that. It's, I'm, it's I'm, an unbelievable. I'm, I got it pulled up right now. And the, <laughs> The speed with which he takes his hat off after he makes contact yes. with, the, with the second one. And yeah. Mark's right. It almost does. I mean, I, it almost doesn't get to the water. Yeah, like he, he almost really he, he almost lays up with his dropped second, which is or third his third shot, but his second ball. If that, that happens, I contend he still could have won. If he duffed that thing short of the water, he pitches it onto green and, and he gets out there with double. You know, yeah. what, what does he make then? He made, uh, I think a, he, he made quad. Yeah, he made a seven. Yeah. Yeah. He actually would have been better off hitting a worse shot that landed yeah. short. <laughs> and it didn't make it to the water. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to submit my final moment. And this to me is, I contend, the most improbable uh, moment in golfing history, Masters history that we will ever see. And we will <laughs> Never anything like this, and I'm I'm almost not even joking. This is J Zach Johnson duffing his tee shot on a practice swing on 13 tee, which okay, a professional golfer to do that, they have such control over their club. The fact that he could even do that, and the fact that we caught it on camera, like even if this happens, there's probably not a camera around. So the fact that he is able to pull this off and it almost, if the, if the T marker wasn't there, gentlemen, it would have smacked Kucher in the knee. It was unbelievable. <laughs> this is like the, literally the greatest moment we have ever seen in televised <laughs> golf history. The look on his face after he did it. He said, he looked up at Kucher. He's like, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, the response to it was even better. These great guy. And they're all looking, like, did that just happen? Oh my god, now what? That's that's not a penalty, right? They're, they don't even know what the rule is. They're like confirming what, what the rule is. It is I magic. can't believe Matt Kuchar was involved in that, by the way. Yeah. Oh my god. It was so I I I absolutely love it. So that is every time they have that that shot behind 13, you know, they just have that like stationary camera there. All I could ever think about. It is so amazing. I'm so glad we got it. Okay, I've got um, to go to the YouTube and check that out, Rodney. <laughs> Helmet. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate you all coming on, and Kyle would like to give us some parting words. Yeah, real quick. The speed. I'm, I'm, I'm down a route. I might be in a bad place, guys. But um, <laughs> the speed, the second drop. So the third ball is right next to the second drop, okay. or the first, or the first drop. And so it's even like, like warp speed. He hits yeah, it like immediately after. Yeah, and it's just, I, I, I need to. I need to, I need to go take a nap or something. The Zach, the Zach Johnson thing is the greatest shot in Masters history. It's like Craig Wood and Zach Johnson. Those are my, those are my, or, uh, or not Craig Wood, Gene Sarazen and, and Zach Sarazen. Johnson. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. A, that 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 forward up on fifteen. I was there for that one when Sarazen hold out. By the way. Yeah, what was your call on that, Mark? What did you call? <laughs> <on that? laughs> Funny. That's so good. Uh, all right, gentlemen, that has been a lot of fun. This week's been awesome. Uh, this is the final episode of our Masters Week coverage, but go back, listen to everything that we've done this week. It's been a lot of fun. Also, how about this? It's 2020. You're at home. You're with your smart devices. You can hear this podcast on your favorite smart device. 
Just tell your Alexa or Google Home to play the First Cut Golf Podcast. I would say it right now, but it might actually start playing in this office. Uh, so I will avoid that. Uh, always appreciate you guys. That is Mark Immelman on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. That is Kyle Porter on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. And it is Greg Ducharme on Twitter at The Real GFD. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.